This was my first ambitious, I want to do this because I want to try it project. And my parents, I don't know how good it was, but they were, you know, very enthusiastic. Wow, you made chocolate mousse. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, we're about to do a podcast on something that could actually be pretty dangerous. Well, either dangerous or irrelevant, one or the other. No, 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 no. Completely (laughs) relevant. But the reason it could be dangerous is not just because I brought several tools as visual aids, Uh even though this is a podcast and not a video, which you've pointed out to me. But also, we are both so passionate about what we're going to talk about that we may wind up talking over each other. We might wind up going along. And so let me just start by saying... Our topic of conversation today is cooking, and we both love to cook. And and really, it's a complete break from hard stuff. Yeah. You know, like entrepreneurship and dress-ups and Getting your kids ready for college. And getting yeah. your kids, yeah. This is a very, very light-hearted yes. idea. Yes, yes. We haven't really tried this before. No. <laughs> um, so if people are not interested in cooking... They will be. I, I think so. And I think a lot of people don't like to cook. They, they see it as a chore. And they just want to get by with minimum effort, with maximum results. And I don't know if we can promise them that. But I think we can share some of our... What did we decide we're going to do? We're going to share some recipes. Uh-huh. Not necessarily this is how you cook. But here's some of our favorite things that we like to cook. Maybe a little bit of history. How long have you been cooking, Andrew? Like mm. serious cooking, that kind of thing, where you're you're shopping for the ingredients and just enjoying, relishing this time of cooking. Is it because of COVID? I think or? you're over-reading my enthusiasm here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been serious cooking since I was probably about 12 years old. Okay. When the first hard thing that I tried to do was a chocolate mousse. Oh, yes. And I had gone to some fancy restaurant with my parents and they ordered chocolate mousse and I thought this is better than any this is better than ice cream this is (laughs) close to perfection and so I got a probably Betty Crocker Mm -hmm. I mean it was those days when you had like one cookbook and it had everything and it's like okay you gotta sort the whites from the yolks Mm -hmm. and then you gotta whip up the whites Mm -hmm. and you gotta whip it up and keep it whipped and then you've got to melt the actual chocolate and this was like hardcore bittersweet bitter yeah chocolate. you've got to yeah. mix the chocolate now with the sugar mm-hmm. and then you've got to drip the chocolate into the egg whites while foaming them mm-hmm. and then and you were 12 i yeah uh, i think 12 or 13 somewhere <laughs> yeah. in that zone well good for your mom to allow you to do that well yeah she was always very supportive of that mm-hmm. kind of thing and as i mentioned on the mother's day episode 
she she required me to cook dinner mm-hmm. one day a week so she could teach late and you know mm-hmm. and it was good it was very good but this was my first ambitious I want to do this because I want to try it project right. and my parents you know I don't know how good it was mm-hmm. but they were you know very enthusiastic wow you made chocolate mousse mm-hmm. so you know I, I would mark that as the start of my interest in actually cooking right and then of course it it you know ebbs and wanes over the years of mm-hmm. different busyness and mm-hmm. activity. So my mother was a very good cook, which it's hard to be a good cook when you're cooking for very picky eaters. And I'm one of six kids, and my dad actually is the king of picky eaters. Mm. Meat and potatoes, and don't let the vegetables touch the meat mm. or the potatoes. They need to be in a separate bowl. Mm. So my mother had to serve our vegetables in a separate bowl, which was actually very handy for me because I don't like vegetables. And so I would take that bowl and hide it on this little ledge that was under no. the table. I'm one of those. Oh, my. And then, of course, I was glad to clean up the kitchen afterwards or at least clear the table so yes. that I could sneak my vegetables into. And here's a funny story about that. I, true confessions when you're an adult, told the story to my mother. She had no idea when I was you know, old enough to have my own children. Uh-huh. My nephew overheard this story. <laughs> my sister has that table. She uh-huh. still does. Oh, the same table. Ta- uh-huh. Same table. And my nephew thought this was a brilliant idea. He missed the part about it the needs dish. to be in a separate dish. <laughs> and he missed the part about cleaning it up afterwards. So there was this smell in the dining room for many, you know, anyway. We lived in a house in California for about six years. Mm-hmm. And uh, my son would have been six to uh, 12-ish during Mm -hmm. that time. And uh, it was funny. We had these wooden chairs with cushions. Oh, right. Uh And when we moved, we lifted the cushions off the chair and discovered there were a bit of carrots and some green beans that were, you know, really yucky (laughs) between the cushion and the wood chair. Oh, uh, busy moms. Yeah. And their feisty kids. But I've always thought possibly the reason many people grow up and don't like vegetables Mm -hmm. is they just weren't cooked yes they weren't prepared well my grandchildren they love vegetables Mm -hmm. they never complain Mm -hmm. and i think it's because my daughters know how to cook them in an appealing savory way well there is also a lot to be said about just being that model for your kids so when my kids were growing up I intentionally sat them closer to my husband, who is not picky, and he enjoys whatever I fix for him. He's happy to let me experiment on him. And so my boys watched him eat, and they actually did not know I was not serving myself (laughs) those peas and carrots. Oh, my. I don't think. And then, but now to this day, my youngest son complains that. Mom, how can you never served us Brussels sprouts? Brussels sprouts are amazing. <laughs> well, now that I know how to cook them, yes. I would agree with them. Yes. Yeah. So tell me some of the recipes that you enjoy preparing today. Now, your kids are all grown up and out of the house, so it's just you and your wife are just cooking together, which is very romantic. Well, it, it's convenient in that we both know what foods are best, mm-hmm. what, what we do well with. Mm-hmm. So I can cook knowing that, you know, this will be preferable to mm, her right. over something else. Mm-hmm. I've also, you know, I think become more aware of the nutritional value of a variety of foods. Right. 
and try to integrate those. You once shared with me that you made a soup, a purple soup. Yes, purple potato soup. Yeah, so talk about that. Why well, purple? Well, it was in this book called um, Eat to Beat Disease. Okay. And it wasn't like I'm trying to beat disease, but mm-hmm. I'd like to not have a disease if <laughs> <Right>? possible. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a great book by an MD, and he basically went through all these different food categories, mm-hmm. and he pointed out that purple foods have particular micronutrients that are just extremely good for your, you know, immune system and circulation, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember exactly. Well, and uh, and when you were telling me this, I said, oh, and listeners, no, no, you no, no, know no. what I'm going to say, <laughs> no. don't you? Eggplant okay. is purple. No, it is not. <laughs> the part of the eggplant you eat is not purple. <laughs> okay. The purpleness is a deception. It's a trick. You have to get actual he still doesn't like purple foods like beets and red cabbage mm-hmm. and purple potatoes, which I was not even aware mm-hmm. that purple potatoes existed. So you you should eat the skin of the purple potatoes. Is the purple itself? Is no, the no. Itself you, I peeled them. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they were still purple in there. They were purple through and through. Wow. Yeah. Light purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they do have kind of a distinctive flavor. I, I mean, I'm not sure in a completely blind test I could tell the difference between <laughs> purple potato soup and other potato mm-hmm. soup. But uh, I tried it out just because I was had some time and mm-hmm. I was all excited by the recipe. And I've, mm-hmm. I've always liked potato soup. In mm-hmm. fact, as a teenager, one time I made vichyssoise. Oh, do you know what that is? Something French. It sounds fishy. Yeah. No, it's not fishy. Oh. It's cold potato soup. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I worked in a restaurant, mm. and they served gazpacho, mm. which is, of course, like cold tomato soup. Mm. It's like salsa soup. Mm. Okay. And that was a big deal, this little cup of gazpacho, you know, a big price, and it was a very fancy restaurant. Mm. And so the whole thought of cold soup struck me. as So I looked up vichyssoise, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a chilled potato soup. Oh, okay. But I, I made my purple potato soup hot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And did your wife like it too? She did. Mm-hmm. Actually, my whole family. Oh. I, I saved some so I could, you know, <laughs> let visitors and, and visiting daughters try it out. Part of, I think, the satisfaction of cooking, I know you would find this true, is it's that ability to share. Exactly. Yep. And, and to just, you know, share my joy, take a little bit of pride. Everyone loves a compliment now and then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And and now I cook, you know, with my wife, we intentionally cook to have leftovers. Yes. Because then, you know, we can sometimes make two or three meals out of one cooking. So I'm going to trump that. I know what you do. <sighs> yeah, it's it's actually to the point that I almost can't stop cooking. I'm so addicted to this. And so, yes, it's just my husband and me living at our house now because, of course, our kids are all grown. We occasionally have someone that comes and stays with us. We have extra bedrooms, and so people come over. But when I cook a meal, I don't know how to cook for just my husband and me. And so I cook with leftovers, but then it multiplies. Yeah. And so in the freezer right now, I have, I counted last night, 36 meals for my husband all ready to go that he can take for lunch, they can have for dinner. And we just... And they're all like individually packaged. So last... Grab one and heat it up. So last night I made chicken stir fry and he had that with rice for dinner. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, packaged up the rest of it and put six of those meals in the freezer and 
he's all ready to go. But yes, I used to do, when I had my boys at home, I used to do once a month cooking. Yeah, I've heard of that. So there's a cookbook that I have that's a once a month cookbook. And it tells you just step by step all the ingredients to buy, what what you need to do to prepare the day before. And then that day you cook the whole day and here's all your recipes and you do it in the right order. And at the end of the day, you have enough meals for a month in your freezer. And here's one of the rules of once a month cooking. On your cooking day, you're not allowed to eat one of those meals. You get to go out to dinner to celebrate oh, your success, I which see. is really nice because you spent all day I, cooking. I see a few problems though. Unless you buy a second freezer. I did not. I never no. had to. And where did you keep all the food? Well, you the way you store it is in like Ziploc bags that are flat. Uh-huh. Or trust me, I always made sure that there was room in my freezer for ice cream. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. If right. it's full of, you know, a month's worth of no, food for yeah. everything, everybody, yeah. where's, where's the ice cream? And of course, I have three boys. Yeah. And if moms, if you have boys, you know boys tend to eat a lot more than girls. And so I had always had plenty of food in my freezer mm-hmm. ready for them to go. And, and that actually helped them learn to cook as well because it started with just putting together the meal. So right. maybe it was... Heated up. Yeah, yeah. It was... It was but you got to do something. There was, there was something to do. And at least they, they knew, okay, just kind of like you, I had nights or sometimes weeks at a time where I'd say, I'm not cooking this week. It's up to you guys to get dinner on the table. And they would just look to see what they had, what I had in the freezer, and they would pull it out and assemble it. And that was the start of them Mm -hmm. learning how to cook. And, you know, sorry to my daughters-in-law, I wasn't really intentional about teaching them to clean up after themselves, (laughs) (laughs) but they do know how to cook. In fact, my oldest son makes the best pizza hands down from any place in the world that I've ever had. He uses my bread maker Uh that I, that he grew up with and he kind of inherited that to the point that now my husband and me are trying to learn how to bake pizza from him. Uh And so this, I I brought this along that looks like a cutting board. So you're trying to keep up with your oldest son's pizza skill. This is called a peel. It's spelled P-E-L. What it looks like, oh listeners, is a very thin kind of mushroom-shaped cutting board, mm-hmm. although it, it looks like, is it bamboo? Uh, yes. looks bamboo. Yeah. So, you know, if I were to use it, I would think, okay, that's a cutting board. Right, right. But evidently, it has a much more specialized use. Yes, and so when we make pizza, you know, this is now homemade pizza dough that we've allowed to ferment for a couple of days in the refrigerator. Uh-huh. We let it rise. We you don't roll. Do you throw it up in the air and We're not stretch it out with your fists okay, and all that? But we did learn something recently that if you roll pizza dough, it makes it tough when you bake it. So you really do need to stretch oh, it out. Uh-huh. So you sprinkle some cornmeal on the peel, mm-hmm. and then you stretch out the pizza dough on here. You put the toppings on it. So this is like an individualized pizza. Well, that yeah, I was going to say that doesn't look quite big enough for a no, just, a family size. This pizza. is just a one person pizza, yeah. maybe two. And then after you've got it, all your toppings on there, you you've got your pizza. I'm sorry, you have your oven at f- as high as the manufacturer will allow it to go, and you've got a pizza stone in the oven that's been baking, getting as hot as possible. Mm-hmm. And then you take your peel and kind of line it up with the pizza stone and you give it a little shake and, and it, it rolls right off. It rolls off onto the stone, hopefully. That also has some cornmeal on it because at the end, when you baked it, you just tuck that Put, baby back know. in there. And you, it, its edges come down, not 
not to a, a blade-like side, right. but it, it definitely narrows so you can slip it under something. Yeah, so yeah. that was a very cool, actually early Father's Day present for my husband. Mm-hmm. I there, there is a problem with specialized cooking equipment. It's true. It, it, it grows and, and it exceeds the storage space. Yes, and certain professional cooks, like I think of Alton Brown. I call Alton Brown my personal cooking coach. Uh-huh. He kind of scorns single-use tools. And so, uh-huh. yes, this is also a charcuterie board, a cut, you know, <laughs> whatever. But we know we use this just as the peel. And you know what? It's actually rather decorative, so this hangs up. I also have my favorite frying pan. So this mm. looks like a Teflon pan. It it's is not. not. It's ceramic. It's not ceramic. Okay, so what is it? it? Well, I don't know what the makeup is. This is a pan made by Missin, but this is no, this is one of those nonstick pans that this t- coating will never wear off. I use this for everything, and I can put this in the oven. Even with the handle? Even with the handle. It's a silicon yeah. handle. Have I you ever it. seen those uh, Circulon pans? Yeah, this is better than that. I love those Circulon oh. pans. I <clears> bought a whole set Did, just has for it, myself. Has the coating peeled off yet? No. Okay, well. No. Maybe it Actually, I inherited one from my mother. She used it oh. for years, <clears throat> and it was getting a, a little jagged, and mm-hmm. then I thought, you know, it would be nice to have a bigger one. Yeah. So I bought a set of three sizes, Yep. but they clean so easily. It's very light. Mm-hmm. You cook oh. with very little oil or butter. Yeah, yep. that's kind of what this one, I, I, I wonder. Anyway, I love my missing pan affiliate link in the show notes no no i'm just kidding There's yeah no i think we we should you know be getting some credit here for talking about these things well and i brought another couple tools i mean every good cook has got their favorite knife and this is my favorite and this is the sharpest knife in the drawer literally mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got a little blade thing on it to make sure that we don't accidentally cut ourselves and yeah but this i've got a set of three of these um this is the, the chef's knife, and then there's the pear and knife. And what's the make of that knife? Well, this is a pampered chef. Oh, pampered chef. Yeah, okay. so. But I wanted, you know, I, we talked about this before. But oh, my dislike of whisks. Andrew hates whisks, and I understand why. I have in my left hand a balloon whisk. Yeah. And this is pretty typical. You'll see this in every kitchen, and you'll see every chef playing with the balloon whisk. And let me just tell you, listeners, if you have not discovered the joy of a flat whisk, also known as a roux whisk, let me just invite you to go to Bed Bath & Beyond and get a flat whisk. These are the coolest things. They work as well as a balloon whisk as far as whipping things up, but uh-huh. things don't get caught in the yeah, middle Yeah, that's of the it. thing. How do you get your little bits of food out of yeah, there? It's just such a hassle to yeah, clean. Yeah, so hard to clean. So this is super easy and to clean. And it's smaller, too. Smaller, goes in the dishwasher. I never, and I I have several of these because mm-hmm. invariably when I need it, it's in the, but it's supposed to get the uh, drippings off the pan like you're right. doing. Right, it's shaped better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so well, a Someone flat put some whisk. good thought into that invention. Mm-hmm. So from now on, I maybe, you know, like you trying to get words in the dictionary, I'm trying to get a roux whisk in every kitchen. So definitely worth the investment. It might be a few, a few maybe. I don't know why. It might cost a little more than a balloon whisk, but I promise you, you will not look back. And well, then, it takes up less space. You well, get yeah. the flat whisk, you can throw away the other whisk. Yeah, you could, I, and I only keep it just to show you what not to buy. Don't buy this. And then my last tool that I brought today just to show you is my new favorite toy, and this is an immersion blender. 
And this one actually came from Williams in Sonoma. But I love this one because it, it comes apart so easily. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I had no idea the miracle of an immersion blender. I knew I wanted one. So my, my boys got me a one for Mother's Day. But I can puree soups. Yes. I can make ice cream. I can make smoothies. It chops ice. I mean, the, in, in seconds. Anyway, it's just like. No yeah, the purple sh- potato soup actually said the recipe said use an immersion blender. Right. And which so, I did not have. No. So I had to take the potatoes and mm-hmm. stuff and put them in a magic bullet because mm-hmm. that's the only blender that I know where it is in our house. <laughs> and so I was magic bulleting about, yeah. you know, four passes. Yep. You know, put it in, blend it up, pour it out, put the next batch in. So I I might actually like that. But as I said, the big problem that I have right now is if I bring any new thing mm-hmm. into that kitchen, mm-hmm. I have got to get rid of something. Yep. To make space for it. Yep. Only my wife objects to getting rid of anything. Yes. So the only solution <laughs> is don't bring any new devices. <laughs> or get a bigger kitchen. Although, although <laughs> I did bring a, a rather large device. It's not really connected with cooking, but it's a huge money saver for me. Okay. And that is a, a sparkling water maker. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Aquafizz. Okay. I, I'd always joked because yeah. I love the sparkling water, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're paying a buck a bottle mm-hmm. and feel guilty, you know, if you drink too much of it. And, you know, I don't like water. Mm -mm. And so I just one day jokingly said, well, get, you know, get me one of those for my birthday. And they did. And she did, yes. And I assembled it, and it's pretty big. It's, Mm -hmm. I don't know, a foot and a half high, you know, eight inches around. It's got a a canister, and you put it in. And then it came with two glass bottles with nice tight tops. You just put it in, push the button. You got to lock it closed. Push the button for about 10 seconds, let it up. And I think the first canister lasted from my birthday, which was middle of April, mm-hmm. until I just replaced it a couple of days ago. Oh. So that's, gosh, almost two a month and a half at mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm drinking, what, a bottle of that every day? Oh, or more uh-huh. now because I don't have to feel guilty. Right. You know, just <laughs> use the water yeah. you know, from the purifier out mm-hmm. of the tap. So I did bring this into the kitchen, and I haven't got rid of anything. So it's sitting in a spot where it probably can't live forever. Uh, But then, on the other hand, it's become a very important tool for my well-being. Yes, indeed, (laughs) because drinking water is a good thing. Yes. So a few recipes. We talked about potato soup. What are some other go-tos that you enjoy cooking? Well, I, I never thought I could... But I had bought a Groupon for an Indian restaurant oh, right. a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I I wanted I, you love Indian. I food. love Indian food, and so I I wanted to go and you know take out because mm-hmm. you can't sit in a restaurant now or then. Well, and and tell the listeners your trick for finding a good Indian restaurant. Well, you have to be sure there's no beef mm-hmm. on the menu. I mean, right. if there's beef on the menu in an Indian restaurant. It's not going to be authentic. There you go. Apologies to anyone who disagrees, but you're wrong. Um, <laughs> nevertheless, I found this new place, the Groupon. I was all excited, and I tried to call and put an order to pick up, and they're just not answering the phone. Mm. You know, the website says they're open, but they're obviously not open. And sometimes with a Groupon, they get oversold and get overwhelmed. Yeah, and, yeah. and I just thought, well, 
maybe I could figure out how to make、mm. some of the stuff that I like. For example, a vindaloo,、mm-hmm. a chicken vindaloo or a lamb vindaloo. I have no idea what goes into it. So anyway, recipes. You can get recipe any anything you can imagine. There's someone who's got recipes for this. Well, and you mentioned earlier about pulling out the cookbook, and I do have a couple cookbooks that came from when I got married. Right, you know? right. But and I hardly ever use it now because you either go to Pinterest or <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I I found this recipe used in Instapot.、Mm, nice. And we have an Instapot, and I thought, okay, I could try to try to do this and. So I just followed the recipe. You saute garlic and onions and、uh, peppers if you want, but I left them out for my wife's sake. And then you、um, blend that together with tomatoes, and then a whole list of spices. You know, curcumin and or cumin and turmeric and cardamom and、mm. curry masala, masala, garam masala, and salt and a few other things. And then you chop your meat and you set it in for, well, preferably hours, you know. But it's an instapot. First time I did it, I sat it for for an hour and a half because I wanted to cook and eat it that day.、Uh, later now, I try to do it the the morning. Oh, okay. And then let it sit all day. So you use a slow cooker function. It's like a marinade. Yeah. No, I'm in、oh. the fridge. In the oh, fridge. I see. Okay, got it's it. It's like a marinade. And then you put it in the instapot, and then it it cooks,、mm-hmm. and it cooks in about. Ten minutes, and then there's a ten minute cool off period, and then you have to sauté、uh, the sauce to thicken it up a、mm-hmm. little bit.、Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I am so impressed with my vindaloo. <laughs> I mean, I didn't invent the thing; I no, just followed the recipe. Right. I don't know that I ever want to go to an Indian restaurant,、oh. um, except、we'll、to、sure、get new put, recipe ideas. Yeah, there you go.、Yeah. We'll be sure and put a link to that vindaloo recipe in the show notes. Hopefully, you can find it. Well, if I can, I can scan the one I have with、oh, all of my little markings、oh. and adjustments, and we'll do that、uh, stains. So it looks really authentic. <laughs> like I used this thing,、uh, but I've branched out. I've done you know some biryanis. I did、uh, a kima, which is a ground meat,、mm. uh, and I really super violated my own. Basic principles. I didn't have any ground lamb, so I used ground beef. <gasps> oh, but it, you know, tasted delicious anyway.、Uh, yeah, and I've gone into Thai.、Mm. Uh, so I think Asian fusion, Indian.、Mm-hmm. That's that's where I would like to develop.、Mm-hmm. Um, Mexican. I don't know. Just all taste very similar to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm.、Um, and I don't really have much interest in、uh, French.、Mm. I don't know. What's your favorite stuff? So I have a couple of go-to recipes. When I'm cooking for a crowd, which I enjoy doing, so cashew chicken. Cashew chicken is one、yeah. of my. It, it's you know we're going to talk about this next episode, but cashew chicken is like my unit three variation. So I have a recipe that I always pull up when I make my cashew chicken, but I completely change it and、mm-hmm. add coconut cream instead of something I can't remember. I don't even know what, how I sub out. But I do a lot. But that's that's a good one. Another one that I enjoy making is something called stackyuppy, and this、oh, was、yeah. um, this is actually a real deal. My friends and family don't believe this, but it, my aunt taught me this recipe. It's called Burmese stackyuppy, and in other places they call it haystacks or something like that. But you start with rice 
and then you just provide all the different ingredients for people to stack up on their own plate and everybody loves it mm-hmm. because they've made it to their own it's, it's like a big potato bar yeah exactly you start with a potato and then mm-hmm. you can put in people like onion put a lot of onion people yep. like olives put olives yeah so with the stacky uppy there's a chicken kind of like a chicken and gravy mm-hmm. that's the foundation i remember you brought that here one time yeah. for our, our wednesday potluck or yeah. something yeah. yeah and then you can add cheese to it which is a little bit off because most most in Asian cultures you don't have dairy as a part of it, but you top it with coconut and nuts and pineapple and celery and tomatoes, which I don't like tomatoes. You say sometimes you know you're grown up when you can eat tomatoes and red bell peppers. And yes, not, and, not complain. Yeah, and I guess I'm not. Grown well, up that's yet. okay. You can have the spirit of youth, but yeah. And then oh. um, another one that I love to make is fajitas. You know, and I just marinate the steak or the beef or both. And then throw it on the grill and then chop it What's up. What's your best marinade? It's a secret family recipe. Okay, fine. We won't reveal it. But, but I'll tell I you what it is. I expect you to tell me later. It's a, it's, a ta- it's a homemade taco seasoning. And actually my youngest son grinds together this taco seasoning, which is really good. And I mix that with teriyaki sauce. And that's a perfect fajita marinade. Taco seasoning with teriyaki sauce. It, you just wouldn't think it, but that's no. pretty much... What you need to do, which it might be too sweet for you because I know you don't like sweetness. I'd probably food. go with tamari, oh, mm-hmm. which is uh, less sweet mm-hmm. compared to teriyaki, yep. like a soya tamari. Yep. But um, it'll have the same effect of softening mm-hmm. the meat because the, the salt yep. does such a good job. Yeah. And um, I, I got one last one you can try because okay. you mentioned something, uh, the power of coconut. Yeah. I discovered this in Thai cooking with coconut mm-hmm. milk. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I saw this recipe for green beans okay. and coconut. Okay. And you use shredded dried coconut and chop it real fine. And You can uh, use an immersion blender to chop it really fine. Really? Yeah. It chops things I was too. using a big knife like that one. Oh, <laughs> there um, you go. But anyone. I mean, that's a little more therapeutic, I guess. <laughs> um, and then uh, different sauce options. Mm-hmm. And you just fry the coconut, you know, saute the coconut with the green beans. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it has an amazing effect. And I th- was thinking of it when we talked about children who don't like vegetables. Yeah. I thought, there's no kid who wouldn't like my green beans this, <laughs> with coconut and marsala sauce. Recipe in the show notes. <laughs> well, as you said, this was definitely a, a digression from what we normally talk about. But our next episode, we're going to tie this into what does this have to do with writing? Well, that'll be tricky. I, 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 well, but I think you can do it. Structure and style in cooking. It's exactly right. Or cooking in writing. Well, okay. It's a metaphor. Yes. Okay. I'll talk to you then. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.